Hey everyone, it's Pastor Micah, lead pastor here at High Praise Crestview. I want to say thank you for choosing to listen to today's podcast. I want to encourage you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening from today and go connect with us on social media as well. My prayer is that as you listen to this message, you're encouraged, blessed, and transformed by the power of the Word of God. Now open your heart and get ready to receive what God wants to speak to you today. Uh, But today is Mother's Day, and I do want to just say once again how much we appreciate all the women uh, here in our church body. You know, Mother's Day, uh, for some, can be a tough time, uh, whether it was because you couldn't um, have children or whether um, maybe your mother wasn't in your life, or there's very different different uh, reasons why Mother's Day can be challenging for some people. And uh, But I just want you to know today, as women, we just honor you as women, and we're grateful that you're in our lives. We're grateful that we have beauty around us, amen, because if the world was full of men, it would be ugly, okay? And women make the world beautiful because we don't look good, and it's okay to, to admit that. We were made from dirt. Y'all were made from a prime rib, okay? And so y'all were made from better pieces and so y'all just got the pretty jeans because y'all were made from ribs and we were made from dust and thanks god i appreciate it but seriously i know we're just grateful for all of you and uh, whether you are a teacher or you're a spiritual mom or you're a foster mom biological mom uh daycare worker you're a coach uh mentor maybe you work in our kids in nursery department once again we just want to say we honor you today and we're so grateful for your life and what you what you bring to the table and what you're doing for the kingdom of god and what your what your impact is in other people's lives amen now today i want to share a message real quickly when i say quickly i mean i have eight pages of notes so not quickly at all and you Y'all are going to get um, men, <clears throat> buckle your seatbelts, please, because some of you have had ways of thinking about women for a long time, and I'm here to wreck those. Wreck them. Some of you have had certain uh, lines of belief and thought processes and so on and so forth, and today I might offend you a little bit, but listen, I'm offending with the word, amen? I promise you everything that I say today is going to come from the scripture, and that's why I have, once again, just, if y'all were here last week, I preached on the power of the Holy Spirit, evidence of speaking in other tongues, and I used a whole lot of scripture, a lot of scripture, and guess what today we're doing? We're using a lot of scripture, a lot of scripture, because I want to not just preach this, I want to teach this to you because I believe this is important. But if you want a message title for today, you can write this down. We're going to call this, entitle this, Treat Her Like a Lady. Treat Her Like a Lady. Five things you need to know about women. Amen? Five things you need to know about women. And women, you may not even know some of these things about yourself. There might be some lies that you've believed for a long time because of society and different things that have been spoken over you, maybe by generational lines and generational curses and different things like that. And there may be some things today that you didn't even know were true about you. And I want this word for women to be an encouragement, and I want this word for men to be a challenge. Amen? Men, will you accept the challenge this morning? Amen? Amen, amen. Can you turn over to Genesis chapter 1? We're going to read from Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 is where we're going to start. And I'm going to read, once again, I I have a verse, a chapter and verse for every single point that I'm going to make today. But today I want to give you five things you need to know about women and how to treat women. Amen? Are you in uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27? Verse 27 is where we're starting. We're going to read all the way to verse 31. It says this. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that 
they. Somebody say they. They may rule over. I'm going to go ahead and pause. And if I have to clear my throat someday, please excuse me. I've been losing my voice uh, since yesterday. And so just stay with me. It says they. It does not say, let us make mankind in our image and likeness so that he may rule over. What's it say? So that they may rule over, keep going, the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. Now man is a, it's not literally talking about just man. It's just saying mankind, okay? Let us create man in his own image and in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And what does God do? God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish. Now listen, this is a proclamation to man and woman here. To they. Says this. Says, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the field and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made. Somebody say all. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. The first thing you need to know about women is women are not less than. Men, women are not less than you because you're a man. Women are not subordinate. They are not less. And we're talking more about that because I know there's some men in here. (laughs) That's why I put this in here a little later. That are already going, but... It says that they're the weaker vessel. I'll tell, we'll talk about that. You just hold your horses, all right? We'll get there. They're not less than. Notice God creates male and female and gives them dominion. Gives them rule. And gives them an encouragement to go together and be fruitful and multiply and to have dominion over everything and to eat together to do things in harmony together or we could say in unity or one accord which means this it is not men go do this and tell the ladies what to go do he is saying this is for both of you to go do together because one of you is not greater than the other women are not less than just because they're women And that is a lie that many have believed throughout cultural times going all the way back to the Bible to where we are now. Even today, there are still people that believe women are less than because they're women. And we're going to really dive into that a little bit more, but that is a, it's a lie from the enemy. It is a lie to try to make women, understand when I say this, the enemy is stifling things so that women cannot do the fullness of what they're called to do. But listen, if God's called a woman to do something, she can do it. Because it's not about man, it's about the Holy Spirit moving in her, working through her, and so on and so forth. Amen? Y'all go, man, you're, you're a women's right preacher. I mean, I'm a, I believe that 
they were made in the image and likeness of God and can do what God's called them to do. So if that makes me women's rights, then maybe, I mean, I mean, if you want to go, yes, but this is the truth of the word of God. This is the truth. Amen. How did he make him? He says, made him in his own image. Listen to me. God doesn't think less about one of his images. He didn't go, man, that image is good. And then creates a woman to go, hmm, a little bit less than. <laughs> God's not schizophrenic or, or, or wild-minded. He doesn't think uh, different than what he actually does. If he did something and made it this way, he made it that way on purpose. What's amazing to me about this? Uh, we go. I don't want to go here, but I'm going to go here. We have people who stand up and go, if you're a man, look, you're a man. And if you're a woman, look, you're a woman. I agree. Okay. But I also wanted to bring it to here of like, look, if you're a man, God created you in the image and likeness and your worth is the same as the person who was made a woman and made in the image and likeness of God. They're this, it's not, they're not less than, amen? Even this, even to this degree, oftentimes we as men have been trapped into the thing of, I got to think about the legacy and my family name being carried on. You know what I'm talking about? Your legacy and family name will not be carried on without what? A woman. Your legacy and your family name stops if you ain't got you a woman. Okay? Think about this. Jesus, the legacy and bloodline of Jesus comes from what? A woman. There is no legacy and bloodline that is continued on unless the two are working together in unity and not being, oh, you're less than, but rather we are coming together in unity and going to create legacy and family bloodline together. Yeah. Amen? Yes. It's a togetherness. Number two, women, and men, you better rejoice with this one. Women are different than men. Bless God. Women are different than men. We turn over to Genesis chapter 2 now. Genesis chapter 2. <clears throat> Verses 18 through 24. Side note real quickly. This week we're talking about women. Next week we're talking about generations. Don't forget next week is our move up day. So if you want your kids to be honored and recognized on our move up day, do make sure you sign up in the church center app for that. Pastor Chelsea and I, it's going to be a family Sunday. So we're actually keeping the kids church kids in. And Pastor Chelsea and I have a very, it's going to be a shorter sermon, shorter service. And uh, well, I won't say service because we have a lot of kids to honor in, um, in our move up day. But I will say that the sermon's going to be much shorter. And we're going to have a fun activity actually in the middle of the sermon for the kids. So it makes it fun for them and enjoyable. So make sure you're here next week. It really is going to be a fun time. And we're going to honor the generations of our house. Amen. And then when Father's Day comes, I haven't, this isn't even, out, the cat just, I gotta, I'll go and let the cat out of the bag. On Father's Day, we're going to honor men. And actually, Apostle Robert, Pastor Robert, he's going to be here, Dad. He's going to be here on Father's Day uh, to minister the word. Uh, he's going to be talking about reversing uh, generational curses. And I'm telling you, it's going to be good. You want to be here for that too. Amen. We're going to honor the men of the house as well. Are you in Genesis chapter 2? Verse 18 through 24. Let's read this. Remember, women are different than men. That's what we're learning right here. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. 
I will make him a helper comparable. I believe this is the NIV that I'm reading from. It says helper comparable. If you read it from the King James Version, the word there that is used is help meet. Okay, we'll talk about that in a minute. Okay, I will make him a helper comparable or help meet to him. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see the, uh, what he would call them. And, at, and whatever Adam called each living creature, that was his name. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, all the birds of the air, every beast of the field. For Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. He saw the buffalo and said no. Saw the giraffe, said no. Said the rhino, said no. Saw the Tyrannosaurus Rex, no, I'm just playing. Said no, okay. Like, there was nothing. There was nothing there for Adam. And, the, and says, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. That's not what happens when a deep sleep happens. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. He did surgery. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman. And he brought her to the man and said, This now is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And what's it say? They shall become one flesh. This is another picture of the first point. Women are not less than. When you get married, one flesh, you're one, one accord, things together. But what I want to really focus on here is women are not different than men. It says that he make a helper comparable. What does the word comparable mean? The word comparable means this, of equivalent quality or worthy of comparison. Of equivalent quality or worthy of, of same quality, not less than, same quality, or worthy of comparison. We can say it like this. Comparable means this, the same but different. The same but different. Men, I already said this, you were made from dirt and women were made from prime rib. Might be why men are more dispositioned to getting in the dirt and, and, and playing in the dirt and, and being on tractors and all this. And women are, as a general rule, it's a general, somewhat of a generalization, obviously. As a general rule, women are more about the refined things in life and the finer things in life. Once again, that's also why we're ugly and you're pretty. And so that's just the way it is. And we're, we're used to it. And it's all good. You just, men, you got to get used to that, okay? Um, but you were made different, but not less than because it says comparable. Think about this. God looks down after he creates Adam, this man, this single man, bachelor walking around the garden trying to make things happen. He has turned the whole he has turned the whole garden into his bachelor pad. Man cave, whatever you want to call it, okay? He's got the man garden going on. He's going around with his mowers, which is flowers with an M. But it's, <laughs> he's going around and he's looking at the mowers and he's looking at all these things and God and Adam thinks he is the cat's meow or he thinks he is the stuff. He thinks he's awesome walking around and God looks down the first time and goes, "Hold up." No. Actually says, he says, this is not good. It's not good. <laughs> Once again, if the world was full of just men, it would not be good. And God realized this. He goes, no, <laughs> we got to do something about this. Because we got to create something to help them, a help Meet, So God looks up and says, nope, this is going to happen. I'm going to have to co cause a deep sleep to, to come upon him and make something beautiful, make something that is a help meet for him because he needs some stinking help. 
don't know about you, but I am, I'm not codependent, but I need my wife. And I, you know what? I'm not codependent, but there are women in my life that I need. There are, there's women that, that Pastor Charles and I, we do life with that I'm thankful that are in our lives that bring other perspectives and viewpoints and things like that. I'm thankful for my mother. I'm thank, I honor my mother on this Mother's Day. I'm thankful for my mom, the time she's taught me how to pray, how to speak, how to talk to people, how to be kind, how to be compassionate, how to be loving. I'm thankful how to clean a house, how to do dishes, how to cook, huh? All these different things. I'm grateful. I imagine Adam trying to cook by himself and he's just butchering things and totally not cooking things you know he's the the he, he may not have been white but he cooked like a white person had no seasoning <laughs> right and then Eve comes on has a little spice has a little spice in his life but help me created a help me something that was different but came along to help same image, same likeness, but different. Everything about how woman was created was different. You think about it. Once again, men created from dust, she's created from rib. Different. Even the time. Man was made at this time, women was made at that time. Women, a lot of the things, uh, according to the scripture here, if it's literal, According to this would mean that she didn't have to go through some of the naming process and frustrations of those situations and thinking about it Men kind of had to take the flack put the shoulder down and do those things and the lady walked in the perfect time and said, Hey, I'm more than a conqueror, right? Like It was a different time even that was created. It was different, but help mean means this it means a partner with a different opinion That's what help mean means a partner with a different opinion how many husbands in here, you may not want to raise your hand too high, will say that your wife has a different opinion than you. I will raise both hands and both feet. We have different opinions. We do. There are certain things that she sees one way and I see another. Now, I'll be honest with you, it's not that much. Pastor Chelsea and I, we really, we've been together for a long, 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 long time. Friends to best friends to dating friends to engaged friends to married friends and still best friends. And still married friends, by the way. Uh, <laughs> we've been together a long time, and we think a lot alike. But there are times where, even with church stuff, she thinks we should do it this way. And I'm like, I don't think we should do it this way. I think we should do it this way. But you know what? I'm grateful because most of the time in those situations, the best thing comes out of our two opinions. Because normally it's not, neither one of us are absolutely correct. One of us is deficient in one area. And single men, I want you to hear me, okay? There are still women that can be in your life without being someone you're married to or dating that can still bring that different opinion to your life and the different outlook. And you should have that. I thought about this while I was studying this. The Bible says in the multitude of counsel there is safety. And I swear, I think sometimes men think, yeah, that means men. Multitude of counsel, yeah, it's going to be my boys. Men are the only people who can give me some counsel or a word of advice. But I started thinking about that. I don't believe that's the way it's supposed to be. If God created women as helpmeet, as someone who comes along and helps and gives different opinion or different outlook, sees something that you don't see, could it be that actually when we're talking about that in Proverbs and it says that, that in the multitude of counsel there is safety, 
Could it be that multitude of counsel is more than just your gender counsel? It can be other people as well. Now, obviously, men, if you're struggling with something, you know what I'm talking about here. Struggling with addiction or lust, things like that, you probably should not go to a woman for counsel on that, right? You should, you know, if you're, if you're, if, but if you're looking for counsel and there's a, a, a husband and wife that are in ministry together, that are ministering, and that's somebody you admire and look up to, absolutely, get both their opinions. Talk to a multitude of counsel. Amen. Are y'all with me this morning? Y'all chewing on this a little bit? Many of us, as men, though, have gotten prideful and we think we know it all, but listen, God saw man and said he needs help. Genesis did not call Eve the help mate because that makes her sound weaker. The word help meet, it also means this. It means something like this, a strong military ally, someone who is strong, who will come alongside to assist you and help you. Amen? Because sometimes we need that. We need that in our life. Men see one, some things one way, women see it another, but that's good because we need each other to balance each other out and help one another. Amen? That's the kingdom's way. Amen? Number three is this. Y'all still with me? We're, women are worthy of honor. Women are worthy of honor and respect. 1 Peter 3, 7. You want to turn there real quickly? 1 Peter 3, 7. 1 Peter 3, 7. I know some of you, in the first point when I was talking about uh, women aren't less than, and the second point, women are different than men, y'all had this scripture in your mind. Y'all were thinking about this one. You couldn't remember where it was, but you, you know this reference because you use it. It says this, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives. Now, this is Peter speaking here. Listen, and Peter just got done telling... Um, uh, uh, Wives to submit to their husbands, which, just so you know, I do believe in, not in the way that many of it's been taught, to where they are subordinate. Once again, it's a co-laborship. I'm not the king, and you're not the princess, or the, or even the hand. You're not the handmaiden. You're my wife. You're the queen. You're with me. We're doing this together. Okay. We don't use that in our house. I'll just say, oh, no, we're like, oh, yeah, we're king and queen. No big deal. <laughs> it's just a reference. We do this together in one accord. Men, you do have the responsibility of leading your homes. If you're in a married husband and wife couple in here, um, you do have the responsibility of leading your home. You do have the responsibility of taking responsibility for what's happening in your home. Absolutely, I believe that. But you do it together, too. And you work on things together. You lead your home together. You talk to each other. You get opinions from one another, so on and so forth. So anyways, Peter just got done saying this, right? Now Peter goes on to say, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs... (laughs) So since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Many of us know, well, women are the weaker vessel. Peter said it. They're also the heirs with you of the grace of life. And if you don't honor them, your prayers are hindered. Your prayers lack because you don't honor. Peter's writing here, and you've got to think the main theme here 
and understanding is to honor your wife, which just so you know, you read that in this century, and you're like, oh yeah, duh, for some of us. Some of us are still, that's not the way my daddy did it. Well, your dad was wrong possibly in this area. Sorry. Anyways, we'll keep going. Y'all didn't like that at all. This was a radical idea that Peter was giving here because women were under such oppression. The oppression that women are under, and I'm not making light of any oppression that, that women may still deal with and go through. Please don't misunderstand me. But the oppression of today was, is nothing compared to what women were going through in this time frame. So when Peter is speaking here and saying, hey, honor your wives, live with them in an understanding way. They're joint heirs with you. This was like, you're a heretic, Peter. What you're speaking is false. This is not true. Don't you know women are nothing and we are everything? He's just gotten done telling wives, though, to submit to their husbands and then turns around and gives husbands a word on how to be with their wives and how to honor them. And I believe we can take this just as honoring women in general. I do believe we can take this scripture and actually apply that to that. But husbands, you ought to honor your wife. Amen? This teaching was revolutionary, particularly in comparison to the modern society, once again, where, where women are today versus where they were there. They were oppressed. They were discounted. They were treated badly. They were sold and all these different things. And various versions of women submitting to their husbands would have been commonplace. So when Peter gives that, and he's like, hey, wives, submit to your husbands. That's all normal. And I'm like, yeah, duh. But then he turns and he says the next thing, like, hold up, Peter. You got some things messed up, bro. Christianity's emphasis on submission to God ahead of the husband would have even been unique by itself in that time. However, the teaching that men should honor their wives as equal co-heirs of God's grace through faith in Christ was revolutionary crazy and out of this world at that moment and then driving the seriousness of this point home Peter points to a consequence what's the consequence for Christian husbands who refuse to honor their wives says this your prayers will be hindered men of God I want you to hear me in this room and yes I say this with a I'm going to be real bold in the way I'm about to say this I say this with the authority of the scripture behind what I'm speaking. And any husband who is abusive, disrespectful, or otherwise belittling to his wife is defying the will of God, period. I'll say it again. Any husband who is abusive, disrespectful, or otherwise belittling to his wife is defying the will of God. That's on period. Okay? <laughs> And you ought to repent. Doesn't mean there's not grace available. Please hear me today. But you need to repent. You need to repent to God. You need to repent to your wife. And repentance doesn't mean I'm sorry, but I'm going to do it again next week. Repentance means I'm sorry and I'm turning the other way. It is a 180 going the opposite direction. You need to repent and change your behavior. And when you do that, the line of communication with God is reopened and your prayers are unhindered. Men, if you want your prayer to be unhindered, you honor your wife. You honor women in general. Amen? Now let's go to this next point of this though. Specifically, men are instructed to give honor to their wives as the weaker vessel. We like to use that sometimes. I've used it before. I'm guilty of this, okay? 
I don't preach any of this like I've never done anything wrong in our marriage and I've never disrespected or dishonored my wife, okay? I, I'm not standing here today saying that I've never done this, okay? And she would probably stand here and go, yep, he's done it, okay? So, but the good thing is you repent, you make things right, and you change. But notice carefully here that it does not say wives are actually weaker in any specific way, but rather husbands must honor their wives as they would honor, because as the weaker vessel, or we say this, as something they would honor or care for that is something more fragile than themselves. I don't mean mentally fragile. Stop belittling them. I don't mean mentally fragile. I mean fragile just in the way you care for something. I have seen men that are more fragile and take greater care of their car than they do their spouse. That is wrong, it is gross, and it needs to stop. I have seen men who care more for their alcohol bottles than they do honoring their spouse. It's wrong, it's grotesque, and it needs to stop. And you need to repent, and you need to change. These things should not be, and your prayers are hindered, and you're wondering, why, God, why aren't you doing this for me? Well, it's because you keep talking smack to your spouse. Think about this. Vessels or pots. Whenever Peter's writing this, vessels or pots in this day and age were they could, they could get costly. They could be expensive at times, especially one that may be fragile or, or uh, really well-made. could be very expensive. So we could even go as far to say this, that Peter is actually tying together a couple other scriptures when you see in Proverbs 18, 22, he who finds a wife finds what is good or a good things and receives favor from the Lord, something that's costly. Proverbs 31, who can find a virtuous wife for her worth is far more than rubies? Is it possible what Peter is actually saying here is honor your spouse like you would honor something that is very costly? Something that, is, that brings great value to you. That is what and how you should honor. Amen? You can't honor what you always think is less than. You can't show honor unless you understand what it means to make someone feel honored. So listen, men. He says, live with your wives in an understanding way. Understanding way. Guess what that means? You got to understand your wife, which means you actually have to open your mouth and talk to her, not... When she says, hey, babe, how was your day? What are you, a grizzly bear? Like, speak. It means you have to have communication. You need to talk. You need to speak. You need to ask her, hey, how was your day? Hey, is there anything I could do to help you? Hey, what would make you feel honored? And if you haven't had that conversation, please allow me to help you. I'm going to give you a few ways that you can honor women this morning. Amen? Number one, buy them a gift or give them money. <laughs> right? One of the meanings of the word honor actually is, it literally means to value with money. It means to give or to value with money. One way you can honor a woman, give to them something. Number two, show value for who they are as people, not just value for what they can do for you. Not value for the bedroom, value for their life. Some of y'all really don't like not value only whenever she makes you a dinner 
value whenever you have to get in there and make a dinner. <laughs> Y'all don't like me. I love this. Number three. I love this one. Don't be gross or a perv. Respect women in speech and deed. Men. Uh, <laughs> it's not what they're wearing. It's that you have no self-control. Listen, I have been in situations where I have, there has been people around me that are, I will call what I would consider illy dressed. But I have also learned I can set my eyes like this and I don't have to go like this. I don't have to go like this. I don't have to go like this. And go like this. Don't be a perv and gross. Respect women. Respect them in how you speak to them, in what you say about them, with them present or without them present. And respect them with your eyes. Respect them with your deed. Respect women. Amen. It's a way to honor them. Married homes. Let me talk to you. Kiss, hug, and speak up and encourage your wife. Kiss on them, hug on them, love on them, speak up and encourage them. Amen? Next one, married homes. Do things that she normally does in your home. If she normally does the dishes, you beat her to it. If she normally folds the laundry, you beat her to it. Don't beat her. Beat her to do it. <laughs> Go first. Get there first and get the... I'm going to have to make this really plain for you guys because all the men heard, oh, beat, yeah, let's go. Fight, let's go. Like, no. Listen. Take your tukis to the laundry room and open the dryer. Take the clothes out of the dryer before she can. Go sit down or do it there in the laundry room. Fold everything and then smile like a champion, okay? Honor. Responsible. Honor them that way. Things you normally does. Next one, married homes. Understand chores aren't the woman's job. You live there too. <laughs> I'm making a lot of men enemies this morning, I'm telling you. A lot of men's ribs are bruised after this sermon. And the wives are over there. <laughs> you live there too. You make a mess. Go clean it up. Yeah, I know you worked. You know what? If she was at home with the kids, she works too. Why don't you switch places for a day? You'll pull your hair out. Oh, wait. You don't have any. I'm sorry. <laughs> Last one is this. <laughs> Be involved in raising of your children. It's not her job. It's y'all's job. Together. You do it together. You should be participating in raising your children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. You should be involved in their life. You should be there for things, not just expect your wife to do whatever, do all the things. You be there too, amen? Now, I understand in our traditional, especially in the South, um, the men go to work, the women stay at home with the kids. Maybe that's not where, what, how your home is. The point is this. No matter who goes to work, this is still true. 
this is still a way to honor and treat your spouse with respect and with honor. Amen? Y'all still with me? I know I'm going a little bit long, but I really wanted to teach this today, and I'm going to finish this because I can't take Mother's Day into next week. Even though, let me just say this. Men, stop treating Mother's Day like you are, because you did one day out of 365 days something good. Or take that back. Let me, let me rewind. There are three days in your life that you do a great job. Her birthday, I'll say four. Anniversary, Valentine's, and Mother's Day. And we act like if we can do all four of those, the other 361 days doesn't matter. As long as I get those four days correct and I do everything right. Listen, every day should be Mother's Day at your house. And women, let me just go and say this. For the married homes, women, this goes back on you too. Every day should be Father's Day in your house. The things I'm saying today are not said in a way that women never have to do anything either, okay? And that it's just, you know, we just just be treated all the time to everything. Listen, I do my best to treat my wife with as much honor and respect that I humanly possibly and spiritually possibly can. And I do my best to do all these things. And you know what? I'll turn around and say this about her. She does her very best to turn that back around and honor and respect me as a man and as the husband and as the father as much as humanly and spiritually possible that she can. Because once again, it goes back to point one. One of us is not better than the other. We're together. We do this together. Amen. Next point. Strong plus woman doesn't equal Jezebel. (laughs) Strong plus woman does not equal Jezebel. In the church at large, we have championed and glorified a strong man who has pride in his heart and thinks he's always right, but demonized a woman who has an opinion or a strong thought. We say, oh yeah, men, that just... Because he knows he's right, he's a strong man of God. No, he's prideful. But we champion it in the church. But if a woman, my God, if a woman has a strong thought or an opinion or believes that she's right about something, she is Jezebel walking in the flesh this day and age. Strong woman does not equal Jezebel. In the church, we champion the Proverbs 31 woman but we've championed and miscategorized what a Proverbs 31 woman actually is. I believe Proverbs 31 women and is absolutely, is absolutely worthy of being championed. It is worthy of being honored. However, we don't realize that the Proverbs 31 woman was a strong woman. It is a picture of strength as a woman. We have championed the Proverbs 31 woman, which is a strong woman, but, been, but, when, but, but when women start being strong in the church, we immediately label them a Jezebel. We use Jezebel like a cuss word when a woman is strong often. You know what I'm talking about? In church culture, we don't say the, you know, the female dog word. We say Jezebel. Yeah, she's a Jezebel. Congratulations that you just covered up your cursing. Anyways. Strong woman's not a Jezebel. Can they be? Yes. Strong women can be a Jezebel. I've seen the spirit of Jezebel in action. I've also seen it functioning in men because it's not just a spirit that is just for women. It's a spirit. 
And I've seen men operate in the spirit of Jezebel. I'm going to talk about the spirit of Jezebel in just a minute. Who was Jezebel? Many of you may not know, so let's talk about it real quickly. Jezebel took the throne with King Ahab during a time of political uncertainty in Israel. She worshipped foreign gods and reintroduced them to Israel according to 1 Kings 18. She slaughtered the Lord's prophets. Also, you can find that in 1 Kings 18. Wrongfully killed a man to take possession of his vineyard. Find that in 1 Kings 21. Threatened to kill the prophet Elijah. You can find that in 1 Kings 19. And murdered anyone who protested her introduction of Baal worship into the kingdom. What's distinctive about the Jezebel spirit? It is appetite driven, it is cunning, it's diabolical, and it secretly tries to rip apart relationships and churches from the inside out. Let me give you three characteristics of the Jezebel spirit real quickly. First is this, a person tends to want to orchestrate or control everything. Jezebel was the same during her time on earth. She wanted to control everything. Secondly, the spirit often uses manipulation or deception to get what it wants in the same way that Queen Jezebel did, and she coerced others to do her bidding, and the spirit will also try to do the same through subtly and sneaking around. Thirdly, and the last thing I want to point out with the Jezebel spirit, so you can differentiate the two, because I'll show you now characteristics of the Proverbs 31 woman in just a second, and show you the difference of strength. Thirdly, and most telling, the Jezebel spirit uses seduction to sway people away from the paths of righteousness. The church of Thyatira ran into this problem in Revelation when a fake prophetess with the name Jezebel tried to seduce its members, and the church allowed to continue to stay. Listen, I'll say for our church, we have seen Jezebel, and high praise as a whole, we've seen Jezebel active, uh, the spirit of Jezebel acted before, and there is no place for it. And we will run it off like that. We'll run the spirit off like that. We won't run the person off, but we'll definitely run the spirit off. But this is the characteristics of a true strong woman found according to Proverbs 31. First, she's hardworking and disciplined. She's hardworking and disciplined. Proverbs 31, numerous times over, you can go read it for yourself, speaks of how hard she works and how disciplined she is in that area of her life. She's not trying to control everything, but has control over what she does. That's the difference. She's not trying to control everything, but this, this strong woman has control over what she does. That means what she thinks, what she speaks, how she acts. She has control, self-control. Secondly, she's someone who seeks to put others first and strives to do her best in all areas of life. The same scripture speaks of how she gives to the poor, extends her hands to the needy, and takes care of others. She isn't trying to coerce others into doing what God has called her to do. She's not trying to get other people to do things that God has specifically called for her to do. Thirdly, she is a woman of noble character. She is faithful to her husband, not promiscuous, wise, and loves the Lord and her family. This is a picture of a strong woman. This is a woman of strength. All those characteristics are strong. And when it speaks of her speech in Proverbs 31, it says this, she speaks with wisdom. Guess what that means? Sometimes women know things and can see things that men can't, and we need the wisdom. Just because she saw something you didn't, men, and lets you know what she saw does not make her a Jezebel. Also, though, ladies, let me contrast it and let you know that that scripture there where it talks about how she speaks with wisdom, it goes on to say the law of kindness is on her tongue. That means whenever you offer wisdom, offer it kindly, not belittling. Yeah. 
Men desire to be respected. Women desire to be honored. Men desire to be respected. And so whenever you're speaking and you bring that wisdom to the table, let me encourage you, bring it with a kindness in your heart and a kindness towards them. Bring it with compassion, amen? Proverbs 31 woman is a picture of strength. She was a communicator. It means she spoke. She spoke. Because you can't have a... She, she was a businesswoman who worked hard with her hands and did things and gave she had to communicate to make deals and all these different things. She communicated. She was a hard worker. She was kind and compassionate. She was strong. Amen. Lastly, crusty word of mouth, get mad. Women can share the gospel. Amen. Women can share the gospel. We're ending with this. Y'all just stay with me. I know I'm going a little bit long today. More than any other, I'm going to read a lot of this because I want to be very detailed whenever I I touch on this topic because many people are very sensitive about this topic. More than any other ancient book, we see women operate with with incredible grit and determination throughout Scripture. They accomplish amazing feats of perseverance, tenacity, fortitude, courage, and strength. I'm going to give you a few. In the Old Testament... Sarah births a nation at the age of 90. Jochebed defies the Pharaoh to rescue her son. Think about that. She runs away from man, from Pharaoh, who's trying to kill Moses. Miriam prophesies and sings over a nation. Deborah commands armies as the chief prophet and judge in the land. Jael judges and assassinates the enemy. Jehoshaphat preserves the lineage of David. Rahab operates as a spy. Esther saves her people. Then in the New Testament, an unwed girl, Mary, accepts a divine and dangerous assignment that changes the course of human history and gives birth to Jesus. Anna becomes the first evangelist prophesying that the Messiah has come. Mary lavishes her inheritance on the Messiah's feet. The women at the tomb are the first to testify of Christ's resurrection. The the women at Pentecost prophesy and they speak in other tongues. Priscilla instructs Apollos. Chloe in in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 leads a house church. Phoebe is a deacon and a courier of the gospel. Jonia in Romans is an apostle. And yet the very things that many of these women did in Scripture, they cannot do in Christian circles today. Because women are unjustly limited in many churches by two misunderstood Scriptures. And men hang their hat on them. 1 Corinthians 14, verses 34 and 35 says this. Women should remain silent in the churches. A bunch of men said, Amen. 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 They are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission, as the law says. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home, for it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in church. So, let's talk about it. A strict moratorium on women speaking in the church is not just inconsistent with the whole of Scripture. It's inconsistent within the same letter. Paul is not schizophrenic either. And if he is, please throw out Paul's writings. I don't want to live in accordance to a guy who doesn't know what he's talking about and he's just going back and forth. But he's not. 
Because in that, in chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians, just three chapters before, he get, before he gives these supposed restrictions on women speaking in the church, the Apostle Paul gives both men and women, for chapter 11, you can go read later, 1 Corinthians, both men and women instructions on how to pray and prophesy in the church assembly. One can pray silently, but you can't prophesy silently. It will be audible. Which, guess what? That means she will speak in a church. If Paul instructed women on how to prophesy in the church, he did not expect them to stay silent, nor did the Holy Spirit expect women to remain silent as a fiery baptism was poured out on both men and women, and they began to prophesy and speak in other tongues at the church gathering in Acts 2 at Pentecost. It is, listen to me, it is absolutely, positively illogical to suggest that Scripture requires women to be silent in the church just moments after Paul instructs women on how to prophesy in the church. It's illogical. And it is contradictory to think God requires women to be silent in the church assembly when the Holy Spirit caused women to prophesy and speak in other tongues at the Pentecost church uh, um, breakout. God's not crazy. He's not doing one thing and meaning another. And let's not forget Miriam, Deborah, who prophesied over the nation of Israel, not just a not just a small church assembly over a whole nation. Scripture must interpret Scripture. If something is inconsistent, it must be in our understanding, not in God's intention. Now keep in mind, for the first time, women were allowed to participate in the church service. They were no longer relegated to a balcony, hidden behind a curtain, or any of those things. They were on the main floor. So that's what Peter is actually writing about here. He's giving instruction on how to do these things. So what Peter's actually talking about here, we, I mean, I'm sorry, what Paul is actually talking about here, whenever he's writing in Corinthians, he was giving them instructions and he was telling them to be quiet because in the moment they had questions because it was new to them. They had never been past the curtain or outside the balcony they'd never been on the floor with the men while church was going on so while everything's happening they're asking hey but what about this hey, hey you know, they're, they're asking all these questions so what what Paul does here is Paul goes hey women don't talk right now it wasn't about the women it would just happen to be that the women were the ones talking because they had never experienced some of the things that the men had got to experience so what Paul's actually saying here is he's saying, hey, y'all be quiet. And because the men have knowledge of how we do church already and how we've been doing things, whenever you get home, talk to your husbands about it, and they can instruct you even further on this matter. But for right now, while church is going on, this is a holy place, and I'm asking you just to shh. That's what's actually happening here. Paul was not condemning women for speaking in the church. He condemned disruptive chatter, which I think maybe we need to do some again. <laughs> or questions that interrupted the service. If one of you raised your hands right now and wanted to ask me a question, I would tell you, not right now. Let's talk about it later. I used to do that in kids' church all the time. We'd be teaching, and kids have 50, 11 questions whenever you're teaching a sermon, and you're like... Buddy, put your hand down. We'll talk about it later. That's probably would be my answer. 
Because he's actually, that's what he's talking about, is the disruptive questions and chatter that's going on. And it happened to be women just because they'd never been in that. Miss Donna, will you come play, please? I'm going to end it with this, this um, line right here. To deny women to speak in the church is to deny the voice of the God-sent helpmeet when it comes to the gospel. I'm going to say that again, and I want to write it down. To deny women to speak in the church is to deny the voice of the God-sent helpmeet when it comes to the gospel. I want you to know in this church, we will and always will honor women. We believe that women have a place. We believe that women can function in the five-fold ministry. We believe that women can prophesy. We believe that women can speak in other tongues. We believe that women can give counsel. We believe that women can preach. We believe women can teach. And then from that, we will turn around and we will always honor them, always show respect to them, and always care for the women of this house. Because I want you to know today, no matter what culture has said, no matter what someone has said to you, you are worthy of honor. You are worthy of respect. You are worthy of care because you have something to offer to the kingdom of God. You have something to offer to your family. You have something to offer to this world. And so we honor you today and we say we are grateful that you are in this house. Will you stand to your feet today? Amen. Pastor Chelsea needs needs to say something. So I'm going to honor her and let her bring her help meet word real quickly. I just want to say, first of all, I did not put him up to saying these things, okay? I did, I did not. I, he actually, I, I normally preach on Mother's Day, and I was like, I just, I don't think that. He did not want to, but honestly, I knew that, that a word needed to go forth that wasn't for me to give. But what I want to say is I know we hit the men real hard today, but I don't want you to think that men are discounted here. Because once again, it's us working together. I don't want to do this alone. And he doesn't want to do this alone. (laughs) So just like we honor women and we know that they're different and that God's called them to do something. And yes, we can preach. And yes, we can teach. We also know that we need a man's perspective. We need what we need what they can bring to the table. So there is a co-laborship that is here together. There is a working together. There is a synergy and a unity. And if we can show it in the church, imagine what will happen in our nation. You won't have women fighting for things that they were never called to fight for. You won't have men belittling and you won't have women belittling. There won't be an argument of rights because all of us will know what we're called to do. That's what this word was about. So I know that we we hit you hard, men, but it's because we love you. And I hope that, that ladies... As he was talking about this, I hope that you are also thinking during these points, I want to be a woman that's that's worthy of that honor. I want to be that Proverbs 31 woman with kindness on her lips. That even that it even says that her husband trusts her and she speaks well of him. He knows that she can go and do the business because she's smart and she makes good decisions. So women, let us be those kind of women. Let us be those kind of ladies so that we can join together in unity 
and accomplish the will of God together. Come on, let's pray together. Father, I just thank you today. I thank you for this word. We say yes and amen. Let it be so. Lord, we take the word and we run with it. Lord, help us, Father. Open our eyes. Thank you for the word of encouragement that you brought. Thank you for the word of challenge that you've brought by the word of your spirit. So, God, we say yes to your word. We say here we are, Father. Change us, mold us, bend us to who you've called us to be as kingdom citizens. So, Lord, we give you all glory, all honor, and praise. We thank you for everything done doing and you're going to do in Jesus name everybody said amen give God a hand clap of praise in this room amen